Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Good evening, Lewis. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling, uh, I was very tired after our Melbourne show. I felt like that took the energy right out of me, but now I feel like I'm back. I feel it took it. Took yeah, me. tough to work an hour a week, isn't it? You, know, <laughs> you do deserve a rest, Dan. Good on you. <laughs> I don't know how you work uh, two hours a day, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> it's taxing. I've aged a thousand years. I'm actually a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> oh, I want to say a big thank you to our new Patreon supporters, Bruce Goodwin, Ali McCall, Tim Tumor, who just got a job, so he's back on the Patreon. Censored Caitlin O'Brien and Tim Burrows from Umbrella. Thank you so much for joining us on the Patreon. But we say goodbye, Lewis, to Donna and Helen Field. I can't imagine what we said, but uh, they deleted their pledges. Bye, Donna. Bye, wow. Helen. <laughs> I imagine... That's it's, a shame. Look, it's a tough time. There's t- in this economy, there's you know, the only way to save up to buy a house is to not sponsor a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is, yeah, the closest you can get to having a house these days is to sponsor several Patreons and then eventually <laughs> hope that the best they can do is give you a room when you come to stay in town. I'm recording my end of irrational fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, George Christensen's shocking announcement that he's leaving politics is eclipsed by the shocking revelation he's only 42 years old. And Canada pledges to cut its carbon emissions by 40% before 2030, which is huge if true dough. And Victorian government has introduced a new tax on electric vehicles. Tonight, we'll teach you how to convert your Tesla to a Model T Ford. It's the 30th of April 2021 and our milkshake brings all the boys to the yard of their own volition. This is a rational fear. A rational fear! Don't forget to unplug your set.
Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, the ADHD-enabled dickhead Dan Illich. This is the podcast that takes the toughest topics and breaks them open like a pink lunchbox filled with USB sticks. Joining us on the podcast tonight, he's been writing and performing satire for so long, it's too late to change to something more lucrative, like fossil fuel extraction. From The Chaser, it's Dom Knight. Yes, practically a fossil myself now, but I, I did try to change careers, but I failed, so hello. <laughs> <laughs> and she's an Afghanistan-born British journalist who speaks English, Farsi, Hindi and Dari, but this is her first time speaking Australian from Doha Debates' <laughs> Course Correction podcast. It's Nelifa Hadayat. Hello! That was a very honourable attempt. Uh, and finally, his half-torso, half-legs, but all heart. It's Lewis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a very strange uh, heart that is weirdly leg-shaped at the bottom. Uh, but it works. It works. Coming up a little later on, the great Anavab Pal joins us from Calcutta to shed light on whether Prime Minister Modi is the best Indian Prime Minister of all time or the greatest Indian Prime Minister of all time. But first, a message from our sponsor. Hi, I'm God, also known as Yahweh, the Lord, Jehovah, and in some circles, Jenny. You may remember me for being the father of Jesus, the guy who was murdered by the mob when the local authorities claimed his safety was the responsibility of the states. Now, I just want to clear a few things up. Your Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, claimed that I came to him in a vision. And I said, quote, Scott, you've got to run for Prime Minister. Well, that's not how I remember it. I remember appearing to him and saying, Scott, you've got the runs, and if you don't make it home, you'll have to stop at Angadine McDonald's. I'm glad we could clear that up on the record. And remember, folks, love one another. Although I understand that's more of an inner-city dinner party, cafe, greens thing to do. Oh, and buy my book. It's big, and it's a bestseller. All right, this week's first fear. Clive Palmer's proposal to bid a cold mine near the Great Barrier Reef has been dealt with a blow saying the project is not suitable. The problem is not suitable is Clive Palmer's whole brand. Dinosaurs on a golf course, not suitable. Replica of a Titanic that never sailed, not suitable. Spending $60 million on a spoiler campaign to steal votes from Labor, not suitable. Paying people who work in his nickel refinery, not suitable. Uh, Dom, in a world where coal is king, a.k.a. Queensland, how did Clive Palmer lose out to the environment on this one? Well, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I gather this whole idea for the central Queensland mine came because a few years ago Clive read about Adani. He read about all the years of objections. He read about the terrible environmental disaster, all the ruining of the groundwater, and he just went, hold my Tim Tams. I've got an <laughs> idea for a mine and this is where we are today. Um, I was confused because, look, one thing that Queenslanders do not do is object to mines. You know, Queenslanders approve coal mines like they reject incoming motorists for New South Wales. They love coal as though it were King Wally Lewis or a shit condo at surfers. Like, this is their thing. But then I remembered that Clive Palmer ran in the last election. Uh, he spent, what was it, $40 million or something? I think even he more. Got, no, I think $4.6 million. Yeah, like, he got more. Like 0.6% of the vote. Uh, this is in Queensland. So they've just, Labor's just gone, no, nah, no, Clive, we hate you. You're the one man. Look, if Twiggy Forrest proposes a coal mine, Gina Reinhart, Daryl Summers could propose, Richard Pusey could pitch a coal <laughs> mine and get it up. But Clive is the one guy who they're saying no to. 
Not because they don't like coal, they just don't like Clive. <laughs> you reckon Clive is the liability for his own coal mine? I think so. Now, uh, uh, Nellifar, I don't know if you know Clive Palmer. He's he's kind of like the Australian prototype for Donald Trump, except he's actually a billionaire. He was there for, for about three years. He turned up in a Rolls Royce and then eventually we got rid of him. But, um, yeah, billionaires in politics, it turns out, don't mix so well. No, yeah. and it's, it's shocking because the, the wide and varied history of, of the UK has proven that to be not true. Um, I, mean, look at, I mean, look at today's news, right? So today we've had calls for Boris Johnson, our, our prime minister, to be investigated because he didn't like the, the former prime minister's Theresa May's wallpaper. Um, and, it, and, she, and he's accused of like spending thousands and thousands of pounds doing up number 10 with donor money. And you know what? One, one of the things that I really find true in the UK is we use the word crony to mean corrupt because we just we, we don't seem to be able to say corrupt. Um, so there's accusations of cronyism. But this sort of idea of like billionaires coming in, is, it's, I mean, I'm going to say you got that one from us. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, love sure. the fact that um, Boris Johnson has gone, you know what, I'm in at number 10. And the, the first thing that I really need to put on this whole place is my personal taste. (laughs) The idea that his arrogance extends so far that he can go, look at this hair, now imagine the decision I'll make on this wall. No one's going to say that Theresa May's, like, got the her eye on the interior design world, right? But at the same time, he's absolutely shameless. And because he's bombastic, as I'm sure this fella is, and kind of walking up with a Rolls Royce or driving up whatever with a Rolls Royce, he gets away with it. There's something about politics in a developed world where... If you have a personality, people are like, oh, he's just like us. He's just like us. It doesn't matter if his ancestors are Turkish royalty or whatever. He must be just like us. <laughs> and it's, it's that sort of gaudiness with, with which they kind of approach politics that that, get, that means that they can get away with it. It's astounding. I love the Boris Johnson story. And I love that the Prime Minister of the UK during one of the world's worst pandemics is just kind of like, well, we better decorate before we can do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> when did he make that decision? Like when... 2,000 people were dead, 20,000 people. It's astounding to know that this is something that, you know, he, he had time for, as well as having a baby. Also, he's such a, he's such a like, giant teenager that you're like, how expensive is it just to buy a Reservoir Dogs poster <laughs> that you're putting up on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> the first order of business is to, 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 to tear down these fleur de lays and, and, and put up some racing cars. <laughs> I, I love. I'm sure Boris and, and Clive were going over well, but I mean, Clive, you're absolutely right. Clive is so ridiculously flamboyant, but at the same time, he he is a serious coal miner. He does all this kind of stuff. And this this proposal, this Central Queensland mine, was an absolute doozy, guys. I mean, yeah. I had a look at it, and you know how Adani was 160 kilometres from the coast. This is 10, yeah, 10 kilometres from the barrier reef. It is on the coastal uh, floodplain. It's an open pit mine, so whenever it rains, the water's just going to wash straight onto the reef. It's extraordinary. And I loved how I loved how the government said no at a state level, uh, but then the Central Queensland Coal Company spokesperson said, uh, I think there's still a pathway forward to get this going. <laughs> but this is also interesting to me that around the world, like here in the United Kingdom, like Australia has quite a... Um, a reputation of being a vanguard of being at the forefront of like climate action and like you know banning plastic bags and working on all this stuff and that's kind of mm. what we hear we don't know there's a billionaire coal man wandering around trying to like, absolutely decimate the barrier reef like why aren't we hearing about this this is insane uh, our current prime minister now literally walked into parliament 
holding a lump of coal, yelling that it wouldn't hurt people. Like the people, <laughs> these people are insane. Well, are politicians yeah. holding stuff. I mean, snowballs. I mean, like, there's no climate change. There's some snow. <laughs> I mean, we, we found out this week that he likes touching people to heal them in kind of a Christian way. So the two things he likes touching are people who don't want him to and coal. This is what we're dealing with at the moment. A rational fear. I can't save the world. We both believe in someone who can. Social media has its virtues and its values and it enables to connect with people in ways we've never had before. But those weapons can also be used by the evil one. A rational fear. That brings us to the second fear of the week. Australia's biggest doll bludger is, is receiving 19 $1,686 a minute in welfare, and that's the fossil fuel industry. Yay! Wow. Now, you know, if you think $19,686 a minute is a lot of money, well, it is. That's It's kind of more than the Australian government spends on the army. That's more than the Australian government spends on the Air Force. It wor- works out to be about $10 billion a year. We could have we could have 10 more ABCs for that kind of money, or at least one ABC <laughs> that pays Lewis well. Yeah, finally. <laughs> Someone. Please, I beg of you. <laughs> I mean, this is this, and he's great. Like one of the biggest players in the local industry, Exxon Mobil, they make thirty billion dollars a year over four years, and yet they pay zero tax. So, fear mongers, let me ask you this: How can we, this podcast, get some of that nineteen thousand six hundred and eighty-six dollars a minute? Well, we can definitely start off by holding these lumps of coal you said. Is that for now? I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. That's the way to do it. I'm going to put some crude oil on my face and turn up in oil face. That'll probably uh, get some sweet, sweet dollars. Yeah, do we? if we just start digging, like if we just go in the backyard and like, I reckon there might be coal there, gang, and just like, Get a, like get the dog in there. The dog can mine. How small does a dig have to be before we start getting some of those subsidies? Well, the closer to the barrier reef, the more likely we are to actually That's get things <laughs> up. Yeah, it's a very good idea. Just head out on the. We'll just head out on the reef. Go out there on a surfboard and just start literally drilling into coral, and money will fall from the sky. I'm thinking. Now, this is actually a generous kind of. Uh, kind of calculation from the Australia Institute, this $10 billion figure. The IMF did a calculation a few years back that put the cost of healthcare and the cost of the environment as factors with inside that subsidy, and their number is way bigger. It's like $29 billion US dollars a year in subsidies. It's just oh mind-boggling. Now, Nell, you're outside of Australia. On your podcast, Course Correction, this week, you speak with former Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard about her time in office and her attempts to bring the trading scheme to Australia. What did you learn about Australia's climate politics speaking with her? Actually, that you guys are no better than any one of us, which is quite nice, actually. Like I said, I mean, around the world, Australia does have a somewhat forward-thinking view um, uh, of of climate action. And I don't know where this comes from because it's blatantly a lie. Yes, it Um, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so surprising that you say that because, like, ever since 1997, the Kyoto Protocol, we have been absolute um, malignant assholes when it comes to international negotiations. Yeah, highest per capita emissions. I'm in a, I'm in a really WhatsApp group um, and <laughs> like all of Europe, well, we're not Europeans anymore. Oh, God, that. Wow, that just sunk oh. in. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to park that on trauma for later. Now, though, when we spoke to the Prime Minister, she was very, I think, you know, having lost the election because of her vote, because of her mm. carbon tax, it just felt like she had experienced what it's like to be at the forefront of change in that it's awful. Many of the people I've interviewed in my life, Malala Yousafzai, 
Tim Peake's astronaut, um, politicians, all, all, all types of folks have always kind of had this veneer of like, I'm a change maker. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be exceptional. <laughs> but on course correction, Julie Gillard just lays it out. And she's a woman. Let's say that. Let's put that out there. She's a woman. So people are less likely to trust her when she says things. So we got into it. We really got into the to the nub of the, the issue. And yeah, it's a bit disheartening to think that, A, the messaging is all absolutely shambolic when it comes to climate change and be that we're gullible enough to fall for it because we want to believe in the good news right one of the things you oh. said one of the things you said in that episode which was really interesting was um julia kind of put the case that maybe the ets was a hard thing to do and even though it got torn down it was still a worthy thing to do because it makes whatever comes next easier yeah, that's, and then that's you because she's a- person she's a good leader when it came to the climate bill when it came to the ets she absolutely did all the right things and she knew she was going to get burnt for it i can name oh no i can't i can't name a single leader in the world except obviously the benevolent the good and the great uh, narendra modi who would <laughs> do something along those lines of putting the nation putting something that's idealistic above herself you say that but have you heard what our prime minister said this week in joe biden's climate summit because this is impressive <laughs> Um, This is impressive thinking. It's creative and I'm very proud of him. He managed to talk about the great uh, carbon emissions that we have at the moment, all the reductions that we've made. He managed to exclude both the emissions on our exports and on our imports. So Australia's (laughs) climate um, emissions look great. If you don't count the stuff we dig out of the ground or the ones that uh, are, you know, burnt making think that what we import, which is every single thing that we have. It's like going to the pub and saying, well, if you don't include all the beers that I drank uh, imported in my body and the export of vomit at the end of the night, I'm actually sober to drive home, guys. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's no, just, no, it's, now, it's, now, that's it. Like, if you don't understand, that's well, the yeah. fucking lie. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. it, it, it's not none of, the, trick, right? none of this is tri- yeah. none of this is tricky. None of this is hard. It's like it's fake accounting. One of my favourite things that was said though was by your prime minister, Nell Boris Johnson. I think he had a message for the whole world uh, when he was talking. Let me unplay um, a bit of that. It's vital for all of us. Uh, uh, to show that this is not all about uh, some expensive, uh, politically correct uh, green act of, of bunny-hugging, uh, or, 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 or however you want to put it. I'm not wrong with bunny-hugging, but I, you, you know what I'm driving at. You know what he's driving at. He's not, he's, it's not about bunny-hugging. <laughs> well, the reputation of these United Kingdoms is what he's driving at. <laughs> bunny-hugging, mother of God, I really... Just flattened by that. I mean, that man represents my like my country. Like he is the person that we thought was best fit to do the job. Irrational fear. This is a rational fear. This week's third fear, international travellers in the UK will be asked to show their COVID vaccination test status with the NHS smartphone app. It's the same app that uh, people book their NHS tests on. Um, For me, it's uh, it's problematic as the NHS app is only available for people in the UK. Uh, If they want want international people to use it, they should use an app that everybody else uses, like Tinder or something. You know, you got the vax, swipe right, away you go, off to your baggage collection. Now, what other problems do you see with this NHS app passport? 
So first of all, um, Michael Gove, who's kind of looking after this sort of thing, and we've got uh, Mr. Zawabi, who's in charge of the vaccination effort and trying to sort all of this stuff out. They have not come together in a consensus or a unified voice. So we literally don't know what's going on. In fact, The Guardian today reported that the COVID passports that we thought were essential for going into pubs, just for a quick pint with some mates or to restaurants, is now being annexed and, and moved away into a different app, into a certificate. And then there's going to be a passport that means that you can go to some European countries, but only if you're wearing a yellow hat and holding a dog and standing on the foot. <laughs> Here's my thing with all of this is COVID has shown us like just it's just been an absolute eye-opener in terms of the haves and the have-nots and how we have in the global north chosen to divide society. It was obviously a big raucous around the world a couple of weeks ago when um, it's been proven that most of the vaccine, 80% of the vaccines in the world have gone to, gone to the global north. And, and that's why you end up with situations that may or may not be happening in India right now. Finally, finally, the term global south makes sense for Australia. It's like, yeah, we're now in the global south. We're not getting any vaccine either. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to, to that not so good club. One of the main things that I'm concerned about is this holiday home loophole. Right. So yes. if you have a holiday home, you can like bypass all the queues, all the lines, forget the bureaucracy that has to come with this thing. Not to mention that I could probably just pick up a piece of paper, stick a sticker on it and call it a passport myself. Like there is no thought, no foresight, no nothing going into this. And it's going to create an absolute storm of it um, when it comes to student, uh, holiday time. Boris's dad's been using that, hasn't he? Hasn't Boris's dad been jaunting off to... Spain or something to his holiday house? Yeah, is it Stanley? I can't remember his name. He, he's Stanley. 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 Stanley so Johnson is a legend. Um, not, not, not a good legend. <laughs> There's so much of it going on in the UK, but, but you know, we have a different lexicon for it in, in, in the global north in Europe. We don't call it corruption. We don't call it misplacement of public funds. We don't call it ineptitude um, within the public service. We say it's a bumble. We say that they're <laughs> bummy huggers. We say that it's uh, it's all going to be all right on the you know on the night and all this kind of chat. So so. I don't. What, I, what I'm really terrified of is that we're going to stumble into another situation where people are going to pay the price for government error, and that's what's happening here with this. And, and mostly, it's those people who still have got a Nokia thirty three ten because you know you, the app doesn't work on that. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, you know, I, I think your Tinder thing is a good shout. <laughs> and if Michael Gove, cabinet minister, is listening right now, I would like you to think about this as a sensible option because your NHS app is actual shite. So you're asking for Michael Gove to get on Tinder. Is that is that what you're officially putting on the record? <laughs> He'll do well. Up next, we speak with Anavab Pal from India. But before we get to him, the ABC sports reporter Jared Coote has a podcast and I was a guest on it and I promised to run an ad for that show. Speaking of cronyism, that's what that's just, this is what happened. <laughs> this is incredible. Right, it's like, get, if, if like you put, cronyism in action. This is staggering to watch. Here, the hypocrisy. Here, <laughs> here it is. Hello. Newman here. This is an ad for the Get Jerry On podcast, a podcast that interviews comedians where they come up with fun and silly ways to try and convince Jerry Seinfeld to come on. Unlike me, Jerry can't be bought, so it's not going to happen, but it's fun to listen to these idiots try. Whether it's standing in a park with a sign begging a quarantine Daniel Sloss to go on the pod, or a pointless billboard at a Sydney train station, this pod is doing all it can to get Jerry's attention, and I can tell you they are so far off, Jerry is more likely to take a call from me at this stage. 
So subscribe to the Get Jerry On pod now, so when Seinfeld's agent finally responds asking how many listeners they have, they won't have to lie like they have to all the others. Now back to irrational fear, a feeling Jerry would have if he knew this podcast existed. Now, you may have heard things are going to shit in India, but I'm not talking about the arrival of the British. That was some time ago. India's COVID cases are climbing fast and they've hit a new global record with over 350,000 new cases per day this week, with official numbers saying that around 2,000 people a day are dying, but the real numbers are probably much worse. Joining us to agree with the official numbers or face arrest by Prime Minister Modi, it's the great Anavab Pal. G'day, Anavab. What's it like where you are? Everything's perfectly fine, Dan. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong at all. Uh, just a tranquil, tranquil day in India. Um, some people are saying that they watched uh, a new release in the theaters just before we had the lockdown, and that release was uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. And uh, a lot of us could identify with what happened to the cities in that movie. And. And looking at those cities, people were saying, yeah, this is a perfectly reasonable place to live. Um, and that's how we're living right now. So, so basically, uh, we're in a Hollywood movie set. And it's, um, everything else you hear is an exaggeration. It's uh, made up. Uh, just give me one second. I'm just going to turn down the surveillance camera that's, uh, that's shown up here. Uh, yeah, na- yeah, yeah, now we can have a conversation. Yeah, we're all going to die. Sorry, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's so considerate of Modi to give you a volume button on the surveillance <laughs> camera. And that's really, it, 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 you know, it's one of those things. We we stopped our exports from China, so a lot of our technology isn't working right now. <laughs> oh um, no! So I'm just getting past that loophole by being able to turn this down. I, I can just tell you how bad things are with just one quick example, which is, I mean, I, I leave the news for all the grim, morbid stuff. A petty criminal, a thief, uh, in the central state of Madhya Pradesh who was an expert thief. He was very good at stealing small things like car hubcaps, uh, lots of random steel equipment. Like he was an expert dacoit. Uh, he stole a large shipment of vaccines and he returned it with a note in Hindi saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know these were vaccines. So even petty criminals are stepping up to do the job of the government of India. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a condition where basically... I'm turning to my high school group to see if we can help each other. And I hate my high school group. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the day before I was telling my wife how they're all a bunch of third rate, you know, scumbag <laughs> bastards. Now we're saving each other's lives. So rule is, um, I guess, never diss your high school friends, because even if you hate them, they'll come through when the government doesn't. I would like to thank Anavab's classmates for signing up to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be great. I know there's a big audience in India, Anavab, so please tweet about this. Uh, now, elections are still happening in the in the state of West Bengal where there are around 17,000 cases per day still. How does one responsibly campaign to get elected there? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm in the city where there's elections today. In central Calcutta, it's one of the phases. West, Calcutta is the capital of West Bengal. Yeah. Elections are going on. Now, I was curious to know why, why an individual would come out and attend an election rally in the middle of this, right? We're yeah. in the middle of 40 degrees heat, and you are a very poor Indian person working on a farm. If you go to listen to an election rally, you're going to lose a day's work. 
So why would you, why, who in their right mind would go and listen to political speeches in yeah. the middle of this? And then I found out in true Indian fashion, there's bribery involved. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, you know, one of the age-old things we're very good at, cricket and bribery. Um, so what they give you is they give you 500 rupees and a packet of biryani if you go and attend uh, these speeches. And to be honest, I would go uh, for, <laughs> yeah. what, for 500 rupees and a packet of biryani. And it doesn't even matter which side you're listening to, really. What is 500 rupees worth in, in, in dollars, Anavab? You'd get a Coca-Cola and, and, I don't know, a sandwich of some kind. But the point is... That's how you get crowds, you know, and right. it's something we comedians should learn from <laughs> when, you know, we play to empty houses at the end of COVID, you know, some biryani. And, because um, you're looking at these packed crowds and the media is like, what the, why the hell would you do this? That problem I have no answer for. I mean, you'd have to ask our, once again, the camera's back on again, our fantastic <laughs> Prime Minister Modi, uh, our erudite, scholarly <laughs> handsome, philosophical, handsome <laughs> Prime Minister Modi. I could do that in three, four, three, four languages if you'd like. I can do it. <laughs> um, speaking of the ha- the very handsome Narendra Modi, uh, Facebook has banned the hashtag Resign Modi. Why? Why, why can they? Why can they prevent Narendra Modi from having hurt feelings, but not prevent genocide in Myanmar? You know, one of the things that uh, Prime Minister Modi has understood about history uh, is that if you constantly forget it then you can repeat it and, and to everyone it's new. You know, that's the thing, right? So, I mean, if you hadn't had the Nuremberg trials, then if you ever had something like Nazi Germany again, people would be like, whoa, what is this? This is amazing. What is this? You know, so, but if you don't, if you don't have regret, shame, if you don't ever say, I'm sorry, you could keep going. You could keep doing stuff. And there's a new narrative that's, that's coming out from the government, which basically says, forget the past, Let's all work together. Forget the past. Now, the past was about six minutes ago. <laughs> so that's a really good way to think about it. Forget the past. But, but the guy's lying here. This is his dead body. Forget it. Forget. It's, it's all about the future now. That, that won't help us. Um, speaking of the past, uh, this week, Australia is closing its borders to India. Uh, now, the rate of infection per capita in India is, because India is so huge, the rate of infection is about the same as Italy and the United States and the UK, about 200 uh, per million it's almost it's almost like there's something different between the people of India and the people of the UK and USA, but I can't put my finger on it. Anavab, do you have any idea why Australia is treating India so differently? It's an age-old thing. It's an age-old thing. It's been going on for thousands of years. The Americans are in denial of it. And you know, all know what I'm talking about. It's the big word. It's cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Basically... You, you know what happened. I mean, I'm sure some people, the five people that follow cricket in the world probably know that the Indian cricket team beat everyone in Australia. If they get away, you yeah. know, they might do it again. So why not just ban everyone? You know, other people are saying racism. I, I don't think it's racism. I really think that's what it is. They just don't want these 11 people to get there again. I think I've got a, a picture of two cricketers flying internally in India. Uh, this is them on a domestic flight. David Warner uh-huh. and Kane Williamson on a flight internally in India. <laughs> it's like the only people who have got... These guys are, uh, for people on the podcast, they're dressed head to toe in hazmat kind of suits. Uh, they're not even real hazmat suits. They're like dust suits that painters wear and they've got masks on and that's about it. Like it's not even, not even a real not even a real kind of hazmat suit. <laughs> well, the news had just come through this evening that, um, in fact, two Australian cricketers have found a way through 
the blockade. All you've got to do, you've just got to fly to Doha, do the tests in Doha, and then come back from there and, oh, and also be white and rich. <laughs> oh, um, oh, it works it. very, very well. I don't know who it is. They haven't been identified, but I suspect that Steve Smith and Dave Warner just sandpapering through the rules again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other, the other, only other alternative is if you get cast in the new Thor film, that gets you straight through the borders as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At this point, there are so many Hemsworths, they could create their own cricket team. I think there is, a, I think there is 11 Hemsworth brothers. Then I might watch cricket. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think we should look into this, Australia. I think this is definitely something we should look into. I did see somewhere that your Prime Minister said he wasn't going to give a special plane to Australian cricketers to go back. Um, and, and I think that there's good reason for it because... Uh, given some of your leading players spend so much time in India, a couple of them are in Bollywood films. They've done their mm. own romantic comedies here. I just recently saw uh, your former captain in a chewing tobacco commercial. I think they'll have a harder time proving their Australian credentials when they go back. <laughs> uh, and I think if you'd seen one of Brett Lee's uh, Bollywood movies, as I have, you would close the borders permanently. No Australians allowed to India ever yeah. again. See, now there you go. Dom probably knows more about Bollywood than I do. I watched three minutes of that film and then I did not watch cricket for six months. So, I, Dom, if you've sat through it, you're a better Indian person than I am, sir. Well, one question I have for you, Anavab, is, is about these numbers. And we, we mentioned that the rate of infection is looks on paper like the West. But I talked to my, my wife, who's, who's Indian, and she said, look, no one believes the numbers. Um both because they can't possibly capture everyone because there's slums, things are doing really badly there, but also people just think the government is changing the numbers. Is that the sense you get on the ground there? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's small discrepancies. Um, the, the, just, the tiny factor of 100 is the lie. So if they're saying one, basically the number is 100. So if you can work out what that equation is, from the lie to the actual, you'll be fine. And this goes back to an old Indian thing that we have, and maybe it has something to do with being in a third world country, uh, maybe something to do with a complex about not being rich enough as a country. The people always say, you know, never, never like accept blame for anything because, you know, uh, we have this phrase in India where the, where the prepositions are messed up. Uh, and the phrase is, it will come on you. And it's... <laughs> It can be inappropriately <laughs> translated in the West. But what they really mean is, um, and I don't mean to intrude on anyone's private life here, but what, what they really mean is uh, you will be blamed for it all. So, you know, if, say, India is reporting a million deaths, everyone will be like, oh, my God, look at India, million deaths, India. Um, and it's, it's, they teach us this in high school as well. Just if you've done something wrong, don't admit it. Otherwise, it's just going to come on you. <laughs> is our Prime Minister... Scott Morrison, Indian? <laughs> That's the thing with the COVID thing, and we did this at the last wave as well. Basically, if you don't admit it's going on, it's not happening. And we solve Indian mm. family conflicts that way as well. If we suppress it long enough, one or the other party will die, and in which case you don't have to really resolve the problem. But what's happening is now India has a lot of good data scientists, and the want to tell the world the facts, right? They want to, you know, we have brilliant scientists, we're brilliant civic society people who've studied abroad who want to give people the reality. And what the government is saying is that these are made up numbers to make India look bad. So that's the new thing that's going on. Oh, uh, wow. Because it's not a pandemic, it's a fashion show and you cannot <laughs> look bad. I want to thank you for joining us on Irrational Fear and I hope you don't get arrested because of this podcast uh, like so many of your country people have been arrested for tweeting things about uh, Modi on, on Twitter. So thanks, so thanks so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. 
It's my pleasure. By the way, my name is Nanava Paul. This never happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I wish you guys, whoever you are, good luck. That's it for the show tonight. Big thank you to Dom Knight, Nelifer Hadid and Lewis Hobber and Anava Powell. Have you guys got anything to plug? Dom, do you want to plug anything? I'm doing absolutely nothing other than this. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Nelifer Hadid, what would you like to plug? Course Correction Podcast is out right now across all reputable podcast distributors, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all of that. So please listen. It's really good. I'm in it. It's good. Course Correction. It is very good. I'll chuck it in the show notes. Lewis, do you want to plug anything? Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah. For the first time in the history of this podcast, I actually have launched a new podcast uh, in the last few oh. weeks. Yeah, it's called Simply the Jest. It's uh, from our radio show that we do on Triple J. Uh, it is the like most insane stories <laughs> that Triple J listeners, which might not mean much to you now, but it, they're basically like a bunch of beautiful psychotic wild gronks and uh, every week we give them a topic and anyone in the country can call in and tell their story very quickly and we hear about 20 and then we pick our favourite one and it is deranged. (laughs) Uh, Lewis and I have shows coming up in Bega and Newcastle. Stay tuned for that. Um, And uh, we've also got a show coming up in Chippendale sometime soon, (laughs) which just got moved uh, this week, which is fantastic. Big thank you to Road Mike's, the Bertha Foundation, our wonderful Patreon supporters, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki Timeline, the incredible Rupert Dagas for his uh, incredible God voiceover at at the start of the show. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.